Hey, this is Della's dad. My name's Adam, and this is a podcast that chronicles what it's like to be a first-time dad and leans into the expertise and experience of other fathers. It's a discussion about one dad raising his daughter and a tool for all parents out there. At the very least, we'll have some fun with some serious topics that all parents can relate to. This week, it's part two of our conversation with Paul, an Aussie dad raising three kids in Denver, Colorado. This part of our chat is sleep-centric, where we talk about bedtimes and sleep schedules, plus also talk about taking your kids out to dinner and having date night at home. Sleep plays such an outsized role in raising our kids and for our own health as well, so there's never really going to be just one or two main sleep episodes per se. It's an evolving topic that can be handled and experienced in so many different ways with our kids, and it's why I'll keep asking every parent about it. As a side note, I've found that it's just too hard to keep all the information you've learned in your head at once, so sometimes you just need to hear something again at the right time for it to help you. So, enjoy. Honestly, our kids have so much yoga, it's unbelievable. You know, those those Chobani, this is not a paid sponsorship, those Chobani (laughs) drinking yogurts, I was like, I hate to see what our what our weekly bill on those things are because like you read the ingredients you're like yeah there, there is some added sugar i'm not going to go to the mat over that but there's plenty of protein it's it's quick easy uh, high protein means it's going to fill their tummies for the night if they've had a crap dinner or picked at a few things and they didn't get much in i'm always like all right here's the chibani at least i know that if you're not sleeping later on it's not because you're hungry and some of you just <laughs> want to check, the, check those boxes off yeah yeah. So the kids are obviously at the age now where they do things like tell you that they don't want to go to bed and it's a whole conversation. Do you have to do you have to ever fight your kids to bed where you have to convince them? And by fight I mean, you know, verbally, like in the court of law. <laughs> <laughs> I've explained the benefits of sleep and what the role of sleep is on the brain and and why it is important. This is obviously to my six and eight year old, not my three year old, but um those two Look, on a Friday night, it's Friday here today, um, we're actually popping over to our neighbor's house for um, some Christmas cocktails. The kids will have a late night. It'll be 8.30 or 9 o'clock. We'll probably put everyone's favorite Christmas movie on Home Alone for the kids Ooh, yeah. and they can like be up till 9 and tomorrow they might be a little tired or they might sleep in a bit. But So I'm not like a – I'm not that aggressive on – on um, weekend bedtimes just because, you know, it's good for adults as well to interact with other adults and have some fun time as well. So, um, but, yeah, with the older two, I really just tried to explain why, like, why humans need or why all animals need to sleep, but specifically why humans need to sleep and the role it has on the brain and, and you know, using the analogy of, of it being a, a, a flat battery versus a charged battery and having plenty of, of of headspace to learn and have sport tomorrow and have basketball tomorrow and see friends and you'll have a better day if you sleep early and they're usually pretty good. At what age do you think they actually understand that though? Like kids I'm sure understand what you tell them, but when did you start to get the sense that, oh, they're taking this on board? Like that makes sense to them. You know, do you know what I mean? I don't know, man. Like maybe age between age five and six, I'm guessing. I feel like kids Mm. are smarter than we, than we, suspect if you spend the time to actually you know i'm really big, we're big on get down to their level like if you're talking to them don't talk down to them don't stand up at you know how tall you six two or something don't stand down and and stare down at your little four foot child like kneel down get to their level explain to them like in a really calm way what it is it's, it's not like a 
it's not an authoritarian work, get to bed or you won't, your brain won't work properly. It's, it's very much, hey, we have this big muscle inside our brain that controls everything. Like, I think you can explain things in, in a digestible fashion and th- even if they're taking on half of it or a third of it, like they're better off. So, yeah, they, I, I just think that kids are smarter than you think and they absorb more than you think, a lot more than you think actually. This is why like your two-year-old learns swear words, right? Because yeah. your parents swear. We're trying to figure out what swear word we're going to let her say. We're not We're not sure yet. Maybe shit. I think shit is nice and, I and think casual. So. Let her go straight to the C-bomb. <laughs> it's not allowed in this country, mate. You'll get cancelled. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that. And, and is is so the kids are obviously sleeping through the night or whatever, but like what's the sleep schedule like for a six and an eight year old? Like do they just go to bed at seven or eight or nine? I know you said you're a bit more relaxed on the weekends, but do you have somewhat of a schedule? Midweek they're in bed. They're you know, showered pajamas, all that stuff, all that's done by seven. And then we'll do some reading with them. They're usually lights out at 7.30 and they will very, very rarely see eight o'clock on their, on their clocks. They both have these little digital clocks in their room and then they're, they're not allowed out of their room until 6.30 in the morning. So even if yeah. they wake up, they can do something quietly, whether it be reading, they've got, you know, they've got matchbox cars, Lego, Barbies, you know, to, you can obviously tell which room I'm talking about, boys and girls there. Yeah. So yeah. but they're not allowed out until six thirty. I don't want these kids that are coming in at five thirty and stuff. So they're they're pretty easy and they and they follow those rules. They understand what time is and everything else. Uh it's easy now because it's winter we're approaching winter and it's dark early. In the summertime it's pretty hard to get them down at that time, but you sort of strong arm a, a little bit. Does the blackout room thing still take take effect even at age six or seven you got to black them out like the get the light out and stuff or um, like- I, they've got pretty good blinds they haven't got proper blackout blinds i guess but um we're usually pretty active especially in the summertime like they they would have had school all day we've would have gone to to the pool or played something in the yard like but they're generally pretty tired by that time so i haven't really needed it and then our three-year-old and i think we touched on this last time well maybe we touched on it I think we touched on it after after we stopped recording last time, but we're not that. We were really strict on sleeping with our with Pip with our first with Pippa, and um, I don't think it really helped at all. I think kids sort of sleep when they want to sleep. They they learn to sleep through in their own time, and our three year old gets out of her bed. She's in like a queen, like a full queen size bed now. So she she gets out of bed and walks into our bed basically every night, and it's between. Midnight and two AM most nights, and so she she comes in and she just wants to cuddle. And going back to the spirit of you know how quickly time flies and how quickly your kids grow up, I'm like, I I don't have the heart to say no to to my three year old who just wants a snuggle because you know just for whatever reason. And so usually my wife goes and jumps in her bed, and and Livy jumps in my bed and wants to cuddle up and. Everyone is back to sleep within three minutes and we sleep through the night and wake up feeling fresh rather than going in there and getting mad at her and her getting upset and wondering why she can't have a cuddle from her parents and then being awake for two hours and then waking up feeling like crap. I'd rather just do that and maybe not for everyone, but it works for us because we're all getting enough sleep and and um, and it's fine. And, and it's actually, I'm, I'm sure at some point in the future, I'll wish that you know, she was coming in for a cuddle in the next couple of years and our other kids did that and they kind of 
weaned himself off that around age four, and and I'm guessing it'll be the same in the next twelve months. Olivia will stop doing that, but for now, it's it works, and it's actually kind of cute. So I've, I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah, it's it's very cute. It's a nice compromise, and especially if you can get back to sleep quickly, mm. it sounds like no skin off your nose. I, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too upset about that. I've definitely had some moments. Dell's still obviously in the crib with the high sides or whatever to stop her from falling out. I've definitely had some moments where I've just wanted to crawl into the crib with her when she like needs to be settled or is like awake or whatever. And I'm like, damn, I actually can't wait until you can be in a normal bed. So you can either just come into our bed or I can just like lay down here or whatever. I think I had a mate of mine back home, his older kid who was about two or three went through a bit of a sleep regression and he ended up having to sleep on the floor next to the crib for like a couple of weeks, like every night, and which sounded like torture. And I was like, oh, man, just get him in a big bed and, you know, crawl Just in do there. the big bed. You can do it now. Like you get the big bed and get those like a foam, um, what are they called? Like a little a little foam insert that goes underneath the sheet. And so it's, they can't roll out because the foam's maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 centimeters tall, like a little mm. triangle piece. And so- Della would be safe. Not going to roll out at night. You could put pillows around if you were really worried. But and then if she's not sleeping, then just jump in there. Maybe you create a bad habit and you end up doing what I'm doing. But it's um yeah, it's not the end of the world yeah. by any stretch. We ended up having some success with the sleep training. I know when you and I spoke, it was definitely or well, last time. I mean, Dell was only like four or five months. We weren't there yet. We got back from Australia last summer or a year ago, and then we. We did a bit of sleep training and she pretty quickly just started going to bed at around 7 p.m., which was great, putting her down. So, you know, I have a whole separate episode where I talked through how we had to go through it. I won't do that here. But to your point about this, they're going to sleep where they're going to sleep. We had some challenges figuring out with her daytime naps. When do we go down to less naps and more? And it still it still was all over the place until like a couple of weeks ago. But, we, but it was good. We we're still getting enough sleep and we we're managing. It wasn't really a problem. So we just let the nap thing happen somewhat organically. And then I think her bedtime was like 11, 11.30 a.m. for her, her nap. And we know she needed a bit more sleep because she was always a bit crabby in the Arvo. And, you know, we we're trying to fix that. What blew me out was what we ended up doing. We spoke with uh, a mate of ours who's a sleep consultant. And another friend had told us, Another friend had told us this before as well and daylight savings ending kind of screwed up our plans. But anyway, she was just like, oh, push it back till 12 p.m. and see what happens. And it was mental. We pushed it back to 12 p.m. the next day and she started sleeping two, two and a half hours, like an hour longer. And now when she wakes up, she literally just chills out in her crib for like another half an hour. So she's down 12 till three every day right now. And we are laughing. That's why I'm, that's why I'm on the bike so much on the Peloton. Cause I'm like, I actually have time to exercise now. That's a pretty <laughs> sweet spot to be in. Cause like being, Olive being, you know, 18 months older, she still has a day nap, but it's often just in the car around pickup time, like two thirty, three o'clock. Um, when just pick, when my wife's picking up the other kids from school, and then she'll have like a twenty five minute cat nap, and that's actually enough for her. But if she ever has a nap at home in the day, she'll go down at like one one thirty, and she still wants her two hours. And then next thing you know, it's four, you know, three thirty four o'clock, and then she's up till nine. So we're in that weird phase of if she has a big nap, it completely blows out bedtime. But if she doesn't have that nap, then she's a complete asshole. So I'm like. 
what's worse? Do you just let them nap and let them be a sweetheart till 8, 30, 9 p.m.? Or do you wake them up and then they're crummy? And it's like, it, honestly, it just depends what we've got on. Um, but generally speaking, we our rule is like, unless you really have to, like, do not wake a sleeping child because going back to the brain thing, they, <laughs> their brains really needed a lot at that age. But it sounds like you guys have got it pretty well pretty well figured out, mate. Yeah, it's it's going well. Like I, on that point, like even this morning, she slept till like eight a.m. But at like seven thirty, we're like, because usually she gets up around seven now, which is great. She slept in a bit, and we're like, oh, should we should we wake her up? And then we obviously opt not to, or not obviously, it's okay to wake them up. But we decided to your point. I'm like, well, if she's sleeping, it's because she needs it. So let let's let it go. But. I definitely sometimes when her naps are a bit screwy in the afternoon, I get worried that it's going to mess with her bedtime because the one thing that I love is knowing that Dell goes down now at 6.45 PM and like <laughs> Jess and I can have our night to each other, you know, yeah. like 6.30, 6.45. So I'm like mortified at the idea that she sleeps too long in the Arvo and then she's like up two legs. I'm like, no, no, I need, I need my, my me time or my our time with Jess, but we haven't, it hasn't been a big problem. So I reckon that's good. one of yeah. the biggest sacrifices of having two or then three kids is that there's no guarantees of when bedtime will be. Like right now, you're basically running a marathon every day and you're, you're going, you know, the 42-kilometer, the 26-mile mark is at 6.45 and you know that. But when you start throwing other kids in the mix because they're on different schedules or whatever, you're like, mm. I haven't got a hard – I haven't got a specific deadline and it's really hard to work towards when you, have, when you don't know what the exact – the exact end point, you go, they'll all be asleep at some point, but if one of them has a late nap or if there's stuff to be doing or if someone's at a birthday party, it's like, oh, this day just keeps going and it's I've been at it since 6 a.m. and it's now yeah. 7.30, 8 o'clock and I'm still up, I'm still at it. And so you probably end up sacrificing a little bit of that couple time um, as you have more kids. But, yeah, that, that yeah. it's a, I, I do remember those days of being like, oh, there, this is our – our quiet time together. Yeah, agreed. We're, we're definitely just taking advantage of that. Like we have one set of mates who have three kids and because they live in a two-bedroom apartment oh. in Manhattan, yeah, those three kids are all in the same room and the ages are roughly one, three, and five. Mm -hmm. So whether they like it or not, they, they inevitably mess with each other's sleep a little bit, yeah. but that's the sleep consultant family. So they've got that stuff locked down like they're in bed at 6 30 and they're sort of like us where they're like we really like our time yeah, to ourselves sure. so we have to get them in bed whatever we need to do during the day in the morning to keep them on track we're going to do it because they need to go down at this time which mm -hmm. which i kind of like yeah interesting yeah. now that the kids are obviously like uh, not toddlers or babies like taking them out to dinner um, taking about a bit later, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, you said you're a bit more flexible on the weekends. Like what, what's that all like? Because that's probably the one thing that Jess and I still can't or don't really do is like, we don't mess with Dell's bedtime on the weekends just to go out to dinner, just for her to be a handful or whatever. When I was, I don't know. So we had our first, when we were at Pippa, I was just about to turn 30. So it was fairly young, I guess. And I still feel like back then I was trying to do everything like I, I wanted to go to restaurants and if that meant taking a child then I, we would do that but i'm not sure it's worth the brain damage even you know like it's just it's just not you, you think you're going to have a good time and you go there and it's sort of sort of stressful you're passing the kid back and forth or you're worrying about them you know throwing their fork off the table and disrupting other diners or what it's just 
So I sort of just went, you know what? Those big restaurant outings are just, I don't think they're worth the build up. I'd rather if we get a sitter and we go out for an early dinner, but we're back before bedtime, we do that, you know, maybe not that frequently, maybe every six or eight weeks we'll do that. And then what I have done is I, I, go, I take my older, probably every two months I take Pippa or Will out separately. So we went to, I think I mentioned this last time perhaps, but I took Will to the monster trucks that came out here um, and, and played at Ball Arena and did the whole thing. So we went out for pizza first and then went to a show, this monster truck thing, and they're all doing their jumps and stuff. And I'm, I take Pippa out to her favorite Italian restaurant and we'll just sit there, just her and I, just one-on-one time. So you can do uh, that. She, she's got her own her own favorite restaurant. That's so cute. Yes, North North Italia. She always goes there and gets the same thing and has a- She's just like, Daddy, It just it's really authentic here. Yeah. This is real Italian food. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally that. And she gets dressed up and- and like you know, does her hair nicely, and she has these like little tiny pair of not heels, but like platform shoes she wears out, and she just feels like she's fifteen or something instead of eight, and it's just really fun. So we do that, and we just sit down and chat. And so we've done a little bit more of the divide and conquer thing. And I've got a, I took Will to the Denver University hockey game the other week, and and just had a night, a boys' night out. So it's just that one on one time. I think it's really critical rather than trying to do the whole restaurant thing. And honestly, this summer especially. You know, we, we live out here where Aussies, we haven't got grandparents and stuff, but I'm not totally against just, you know, Saturday afternoon, the kids can have an hour of iPad time and we'll put something on, on TV for Olive and we can sit outside or sit on the balcony or sit in the yard and, and make a cocktail or have a, you know, a nice beer and some some snacks and just basically have a date at home and just have an hour to reconnect and the kids are inside and we know what they're doing, know what they're watching, like it's all it's all you know, passcode protected on their iPads and I know exactly what's there. They're not being indoctrinated by anyone or anything. So if if that's the worst we do for our kids is give them some screen time and they just veg out for a while while we have some time to have a little date at home, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And it's just a nice way to reconnect. What it comes down to is maybe in the past – reconnecting with your SO or doing something nice is going out, but actually you can find ways to do that at home as well. You can still have your moment. You know, I think COVID taught us that, or taught, definitely taught me that, was that you don't need to go out on a date to go out on a date. You can you can do nice things in your own four walls as long as you get some space from your kids and you go, yeah, this is our time. We're going to sit in you know a different part of the house or we can sit outside in the yard and and just really enjoy it. So that was maybe one of the silver linings of COVID. It must be nice out in Denver where you have a different part of the house. Like we have, <laughs> we have our apartment and that's it. <laughs> New York City living. Right. Come oh, and join we the haven't urban been over sprawl. here in four months. Let's go spend some time here. <laughs> hey, come, come, and, come to the beautiful burbs of Denver. I want eight and a half thousand square foot. That's the yard, not the house. The house is smaller than that. But, you know, we can go and sit in the upstairs balcony off the off the parents' bedroom and watch the sun go down over the Rockies. I love it. I love it. We're, we're definitely, I'd love that. Um, hopefully this winter, mate, and we can talk more about on that, on that later, but that's part of why I think we're really making the most of our time in, in Brooklyn and New York is while we have just one and while we can still go out to restaurants, like we do go get lunch or like an early dinner with Dell sometimes. Yep. And to your point, it can be a bit of a nightmare, but what's great is it's a 50, 50 proposition right now because the nightmare is not so bad because it's two versus one. And then there's still days or nights where we'll go and she won't be that bad. So like you're kind of rolling the dice. You're like, we might have a good one or we might not. 
you know. Yeah, um, for sure. And obviously when you throw more kids in, the probability gets worse because you're 50, <laughs> 50 times two, which is obviously 25, then you throw a 30 and all of a sudden you're going, this yeah. is more likely than not that it can be that enjoyable. Uh, if 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 there's such a thing as reverse exponential, I think that's what happens when you probably add more kids to the phrase. There they absolutely just, is that, yeah. Yeah. Paul, thanks so much for your time, mate. We've chatted for a good amount here. On Thanks for taking a bit of time in your lunch break as well. Absolutely, mate. It's always fun to catch up. This has been great, dude. Yeah, always fun. Appreciate your insight and your wisdom and um, looking forward to some more WhatsApp voice messages very soon, bud. Look, just like all dads, I think we're just trying to uh, – we're just trying to do our best, set an example, and um, enjoy our kids while we've got them. So, love it. I've, uh, I love doing this stuff. It's good fun. Love it. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Say good day to Nerida for me.